0: You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across the city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly Behind the Mind newsletter, And one of today's podcast sponsors is Tech Tables Plus, an engaging new community where you can have early access to never before released episodes, early access to live event recordings, early access to weekly three interesting learnings, early access to live event ticket purchases, no episode ads and more. Plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today. Bonus number one, access to the CEO show. Bonus number two, access to the higher ed show. And bonus number three, access to the digital show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network. All right, today's title is exploring the power of positivity through mentorship with Mandy Crawford, Cassie Jordan, and Chandra McLaughlin. I love the word mentor because when I... Was researching for this episode and started to really unpack the meaning of it. I came across a story, and actually this story in Greek mythology, the Greek god Mentor. He was the son of Hercules, and in his old age, a friend of Odysseus. Mentor had been adopted in English as a term meaning wise advisor and sage counselor. Mentors provide us with guidance, advice, and support, challenge our assumptions, and help us acquire the skills and knowledge we need to progress through this journey that we call life and business and however else you want to define life. (laughs) John Maxwell, leadership expert, succinctly summarizes today's podcast, a self-made leader doesn't make much. Today's podcast will explore the meaning around mentorship through the perspective and lens of three great leaders in the public sector, which I'm very excited. And without further ado, let me introduce you to Mandy. <laughs> I'm only, a, I couldn't hold it together. So I interviewed, if you think I messed up, this is actually not a mess up. I interviewed yesterday, a gentleman by the name of Mike Aris Mendez, who I know Mandy knows and offline off the podcast. He said, I had to mention this phrase and I was trying so hard to keep it together, but he said that Mandy's got a secret nickname <laughs> for all of you out there. Oh no. <laughs> so I hereby refer to Mandy as Mandy, the Queen of Cool. So we have Mandy the Queen of Cool, CIO for the state of Texas.
1: I just need to clarify on that that I okay. was, that is not a that is not a moniker I came up with for myself. It was bestowed on me by other people, I think tongue in cheek. But it's stuck for a decade. I can't get my kids to adopt it. But I do tell them frequently that really there are people in the Capitol who refer to me as Queen of Cools. I got that going for me. Anyway,
0: that's it. <laughs> The Queen of Cool. We have Cassie Jordan, Deputy CIO for Texas Health and Human Services. Shout out for Cassie because this is actually how this entire podcast started, was with Cassie at Gartner after an hour. And I was ruminating on the topic and theme that I would love to interview actually I was originally just going to interview Cassie and this is what it morphed into so thank you Cassie and and of course Chandra McLaughlin IT policy coordinator executive office of the governor of the state of Florida welcome to the brand new re probably well, kind of like remodel but rebranded the public sector show by tech tables And you might be wondering, by the time this is released, I will have already released it, but you might be wondering what happened to the Tech Tables podcast and the, well, since I will have already have announced it, this won't be new news, but the Tech Tables podcast is turning into the Tech Tables network. And I have a network of podcasts. One of them is the public sector show, mainly because it's growing and people are like, Joe, you've got some private sector folks here. You got the public sector here. There's some people in healthcare over here and so it's turning into a free-for-all so I tried to make it easier for everybody to just split this into one giant network of podcasts and keep it simple and what's simpler than the public sector show <laughs> and I just added the buy tech tables at the end so very excited to continue our public sector theme under the rebranded model the public sector show so Today, how today is actually gonna break down is, as I was research, researching for this, John Maxwell, he's, he lists three types of mentors. Um, I don't know if it's the only three types of mentors, but this is the three I was going for this structured layout. Number one, those who knew me and knew they made a difference, love that. Those who knew me and didn't know they made a difference, and those who didn't know me and yet made a difference. So we're gonna start with these three broad categories and then drill down on each of them. And then we will ask follow-up questions. And I will also leave it open to Cassie and Chandra and Mandy to ask each other questions if a question comes up during the interview process. So feel free to do that. So we're gonna kick off with part one. So part one, those who knew me and knew they made a difference. So we're gonna start with Mandy, the queen of cool. Let's kick off with you who can you point to that through relationship with them has shaped you and made a difference in your life that you've been able to circle back and let them know that they had an impact on you?
1: Gosh, this was hard to pick because there's a lot of folks who I've had the privilege of working with or knowing with or knowing personally and professionally that have definitely had a, an impact on me. But I would say as far as professional career development and management style. It was a prior boss of mine and then colleague that I've worked with for a while named Greg Simpson. I worked with Greg at the attorney general's office years ago, gosh, probably, I think we started maybe in 2001, 2002 when he was my boss. And I call him out specifically because he probably is the best managerial leader in state government that you've never heard of. I think state government is in lots of aspects or all kinds of industries are filled with them. But for Greg, I think of him as one of those, those folks that is just there, that's in it for the right reason, that heard the calling of public service and is just an absolutely tremendous leader and manager. And the, the reasons that I, you know, I really, I was a, a baby lawyer and, and Greg took me under his wing. I don't think there was ever a formal agreement handshake of mentor mentee, but I certainly looking back saw it that way and greg really showed me how to lead with kindness with authenticity with humor and still be able to get the job done being firm when you needed to be firm setting clear expectations but also just being himself and creating this fun environment so as i was coming into that job it was really my first professional job joining the AG's office in 1999 so my first grown-up job and not really having a lot of role models or examples for what that looks like in a professional workplace. And so having someone like him, I feel really fortunate right at the kickoff of my career to be able to see how he works, how he builds teams, how he builds trust. I really feel fortunate for that. He and I are, to this day, good friends. We're actually having lunch tomorrow. And he's just truly one of the best humans I know. And, And I've told him before that I really could not, I don't think, and would not be the leader that I am. Were it not for him and his influence
0: on me. Love that. Takeaway, find a good human as a role model <laughs> to teach you kindness, authenticity, and humor. I love that. Cassie, same question. Who left a mark on your life that made a big difference? Who's the Greg?
2: Well, I think the- this, this answer is going to be the reason why this podcast was set up in our discussion. I'm going to say Mandy. And that's because, I'll tell you the story of how we met, and it's very funny or not funny, but it was at the beginning of the pandemic, and I had just started working at HHSC. And we were at the emergency SOC in a hotel, and nobody knew me from Adam, right, because I was brand new. And we're working through a lab results issue, and I see Mandy there, and I didn't, I was blown away that she was there for someone in that role to be down in the trenches, in the weeds, working through issues. Very personable. At one point, we were sitting on the floor together in a conference room, trying to brainstorm what the problems were and how we could fix them. So that kind of showed me the leader, the type of leader that I wanted to be, right? The approachability, the let's go do it type attitudes. That really inspired me. And then as it continued in my job and interactions with her, I kept seeing that, right? The positivity, the approachability, the support of everyone in IT, not even, not just the people who work for her. So I got up all my courage and asked her to be my mentor. And thankfully she accepted, which was interesting because I never really thought I needed or wanted a mentor before. Because I grew up in engineering, which is very male-dominated, and the leaders that I worked for didn't really resemble me or all the things that I held, held dear. Because I saw that, I said, hey, I need a mentor. And so since then, she's helped lead me through the challenges that I come up with, and always remembering that the qualities that I want to portray and the person I want to be when I'm working through those issues and those challenges and those problems, that's why.
0: That's who. I love that. And I'm a little curious how you asked her. Was this like, Mandy, can we grab coffee? Did you just show up at her office? And what's the back?
1: It was like a note in between class and it said circle yes or no. Will you be-? It was mostly like that because I was a little bit chicken.
2: So I sent her a text. And
1: I know I was, no, I was, I was honored and flattered that you did because Cassie's amazing. And, but that's kind of, so first off, super easy to be a mentor to Cassie because she's already got all the answers and the ideas. She just doesn't know it yet. And we just have to sit there and talk for long enough. And then, then she gets there. But I just have so much professional and personal respect for Cassie. It makes it super easy, but it's, it's a little bit daunting sometimes when people ask you as well, because it's make, gives you that introspective look oh really me okay sure but anyway it's it's all about paying it forward right and like all the people that we're just a collective of all the people we've had been able to work with
0: oh i love that That that's just absolutely great chandra i'm very curious we had some time in seattle That was the city it was seattle sometimes i just lose track of what city i'm in during this past year i was doing my annual or like my yearly review and i was like man i went to too many cities last year or too many cities this year in 2022 lots of cities so in seattle that was a city we had a fantastic conversation we went to dinner with a bunch of folks felt like really got to know you a little bit better which i absolutely loved and so i thought i was connecting the pieces But for this podcast, and I was like, oh, I've got to get Chandra on too. So same question, who in your life knew you and knew they made a difference in your life?
3: So Joe, having known me, gotten familiar with me, I think you know it's not one person. It's a team of people. So I'm going to pitch that team as quickly as possible. The first person was my first boss right out of high school. So Mandy talked about her first real job. So my first real job right out of high school was actually at the state attorney's office here in North Florida. And this gentleman saw my potential and took a chance on me right out of high school, I didn't know what it took to be a legal secretary, but he saw something. In me and gave me a chance and at the time i was ready i was done with school i didn't want to go to college just that doldrum of getting out of high school am I, do i want to continue my education or do i just want to
2: move forward in
3: life and he sat me down and he said chandra i will let you take one year off but by the next fall you will be attending florida state university i don't care if you don't know what you want your degree of study to be yet but you are too smart You have too much going for you. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You will not continue to work for me if you do not go to college. (laughs) So he was a very strong advocate in terms of encouraging me to pursue my career and advancement. And we had reached a point in our relationship, I was there for seven and a half years and it could have been easier for him to want me to stay. But about that time, my first CIO took notice of me and said, hey, you've got a career in IT, so let's go this direction. And you know, that first mentor was going through some things in his personal life that the stability of us maintaining our professional relationship would have kept things on an even keel for him. But He, he put me above himself and his needs and encouraged me to go and write my own ticket And I'll never forget that he actually passed away a few years ago. That was really the first person on the team that helped create Chandra. (laughs) The second is a former boss, and we are actually still very close friends to this day. We worked together in total for probably 16 years. And our first go-around, she was my division director, and then she ended up retiring and coming back as my deputy chief of staff. And a very dear woman, first person to tell you, I am not technical. If we didn't have to use computers, I would be very happy. But kind of came up in, in the professional world back in the day. Just learned how to check email, type some documents, and do those things. But definitely not not a, a technical aficionado. But what where she really made a difference for me is... I would have to go to her and pitch ideas before they ran up the chain or say, hey, we as an organization, we need to pursue this direction from a technological perspective. And she always listened to me. She sat at the table, looked me in the eyes, let me finish my thoughts, and then she would say, Chandra, I have no idea what you just said. We would... She would say, well, let's take a beat, take a lap around the building and come back and let's have this conversation again, but I need you to talk to me on the level that I understand, or let's sleep on it and you figure out how you're going to pitch this to me in a way that that makes sense. That's not technical. It's not zeros and ones. It's not switches. It's not hardware. It's not software. And more so than anything else, she really helped me develop my communication skills with non-technical people and executive level folks that... Is so important. Once you get to a certain point in your technology career, it's not about the technology. It's about the pitch. It's about the mission and the value that we're delivering and the service that we're delivering to the people that we serve. And uh, some of the examples I came up with for her was trying to explain ETL, extracting, transforming, and loading, getting data out of one database to another. And um, and I said, "Well, are you familiar with the Panama Canal?" She said, "Yeah, of course." And I said, "Well," ETLs like that, these big cargo ships, they don't come zooming in out of the Pacific and hit the gas going through the Panama Canal through to the Gulf and the Atlantic. It's a process. They come in slowly and they queue up in the Panama Canal and they go through the locks. And so coming in through the Panama Canal is the extraction. And then going through the locks and the different levels of the canal, that's the transforming. And then when they get to the other side to the Gulf and into the Atlantic, that's the loading. And and just the look on her face, because she understood that, was so rewarding for me, number one, that I was able to, <laughs> to make that pitch to her and successfully, but she understood, even though she couldn't talk in technical terms, but she could relay that that concept comfortably in other meetings. And then a current colleague that I work with, he he saw my more. We met probably a year or so ago, and as luck would have it, I had been following him for years, and the universe decided to to cross our paths, and he immediately saw my more. And decided to invest in my development as a technician, as a business person, as an executive, and as a human being. And why this person is so important to me is that he pushes me so far outside of my safety zone. Some days you just want to strangle that person, but you know that their heart is in the right place. And it's because they know you can do it. And so, being able to push me beyond anything i ever thought possible knowing that if you keep pushing you're going to you're going to keep rising you're going to keep rising so that that's so important and what will always be in my memory about this person is that and i knew it was like yeah i know why the universe brought us together <laughs> is that he will look me in the eyes and always have the tough conversations and i remember many months ago we were sitting at a table and he listened We were talking about something and he listened and he looked me, looked at me in the eyes and he said, Chandra, are you willing to undermine and gamble away future success by holding on to past failure? And man, that, that was not what I wanted to hear. It's what I needed to hear in that moment. And I couldn't have heard those words from any other person and have it have the same effect on me as it did. But that, it changed my life from that point forward. And I will take that
0: with me forever. I love that. There was a lot in there. I might have underbooked 90 minutes. This could go three hours, (laughs) but that's not gonna happen. Okay, so I loved, okay, the ETL example I'm dying with right now. That was really funny only because I, once upon a time as a 21-year-old sat in a property management software company called Yardi Systems and had the team lead explain a database and a web server to me after college and I didn't go to school for that. So you can imagine the look on my face when SQL and ETL and all this other st- I was, but I, le- I learned, it was great. But I wish they would have explained it like a Panama Canal. That would have been a lot easier. I would have understood that like that. Something that I loved, this little phrase, saw my more, I love that a lot. And which leads me to a question that I was thinking about when you were talking was how do you see the potential in the younger generation today. And I'll direct that to Cassie first. And then I would love to hear from the rest of you.
2: Well, you still answer for number two, for question number two, and I, I, to answer, I think it's, you need to make sure you make time for that conversation. Because if you're not listening, if you're not aware, if you're not asking the questions, if you're not engaging, um, not only younger people, but people of different backgrounds, people with different opinions, people with different views that might be way different than yours. If you don't flex that muscle to continually question what your thoughts are and your ideals and what you think is true, then it won't be anymore. You'll become stale, right? And you lose, more importantly, usually lose the opportunity to learn from others. So if you don't have that conversation with younger people, older people, again, people with different backgrounds, you're going to stagnate.
0: I love that. And for a couple of reasons, only because I have racked up a lot of public sector interviews. And normally the first thing I get is from people who listen, you're really young. (laughs) You're you're really young. How are you in the public sector? I always crack up about that. Sorry. Mandy, love to hear how you see the potential in the younger generation. I know there's, Cassie is looking up to you, dropping little heart notes, but yeah, just in general, I think just broad, love to hear your insight.
1: Well, I think a lot of it too was that Shonda had some great examples there that come up and that was something that reminded me as well of folks who pushed me to my more, who believed in me and saw in me things that I didn't see. And I think that's one of the, such an important, thing that we need to do, whether it's in an official mentor mentee relationship or just in general and growing that. So it's a great question. And to, to Cassie's point as well, I think it's important for the younger generations, but I don't think I think we need to make sure that we're looking at everybody because there's people who've worked in the public sector for a long time. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily younger that you would mentor, but they still have a lot of potential and things. And it may just be because of bosses or circumstances or whatever else that nobody ever really noticed them or gave them a chance or pushed them. And so for me in recognizing potential, it's tough. It's one of those things that t- sometimes is that intangible, but I look for folks with that, that can do and that willingness to roll up the sleeves. Cassie, our example of that was one of the things with Cassie is that she was there and we were in it and it wasn't the people in that room. It wasn't about ego. It was about solving a problem. And people who are willing to go above and beyond people, and you can see it in the quiet little ways that, that people do things in a professional setting, whether it's just volunteering maybe to do something like clean the refrigerator in the break room. It's a little thing. It's not a exciting, glamorous job. But when I see that somebody's done that, I'm like, that's, that's a person who clearly is, well, this is a job that needs to be done doesn't matter that it's not necessarily my job or that I didn't make the nasty mess in the microwave, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Right. So that's one little thing. But I think when it comes to, it's again, that, that potential, sometimes it's the quiet people at the table, right? It's the, it's somebody who's sitting there in a meeting and that, that all of a sudden they might just speak up with one idea and there's just a spark there because so I think that it's a matter of, to Cassie's point, listening and keeping your ears open and your mind open because sometimes our ideas of potential and what who fits that mold for success can be really limiting to us and we're not necessarily doing anybody any favors. So it's keeping that open mind, open heart, open ears, to really see what's out there in, in the people that we work with.
0: Keep an open mind, open heart, open ears. Couldn't have said that better myself. And I also like that you did touch upon Mandy, the fact that, yeah, it's potential doesn't have an age, <laughs> have an age attached to it. Yeah. I think you just summed sum that up perfectly. I actually, I don't want to say I take a hundred percent credit for this, but I basically tried to reinvent my wife by working with me. So she was a teacher at a cosmetology school at a university here in Santa Barbara. And I was like, what if you work for me? She's like, I don't even know what you do. I'm like... You can help me with the podcast. She's like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but I was like, no, no, you have all the intangibles. I don't know how to explain it, but I just see it in you. And now she's great. Now she's like behind the scenes and total gem. So you might not work with your spouse, but same principles still apply. Finding the seeing that, seeing the more behind the scenes. Chandra. Yeah. I'd love to see whether it's younger generation or any generation today. How are you identifying that potential that people have seen in you?
3: I'm gonna expand because Cassie and Mandy hit on a lot of very relevant and important topics and characteristics. I'm going to say a person's commitment to team is this person, are they solely focused on themselves and their own agenda and their own advancement? It's okay to be ambitious and have goals and want success for yourself. I think what makes a more valuable person within an organization is framing all of that within the success of the organization, because when we're all successful, each person is successful. Commitment to team, and then beyond that, commitment to the mission and the success of the mission within the organization. And being able, and there are questions, and I don't want to give too much away because it's part of my part two answer, but being able to ask questions in a way in, in a zigzag format to get to those types of answers and push people to reveal things about themselves and their motivations that, that help us I hone in on commitment to team and commitment to mission.
0: Okay, this is, I love this topic. And <laughs> you think there's a part two, but I throw audibles all the time. So who yeah. knows part two might get scratched. This is okay. the new part two. Okay, so I wanna unpack this because the commitment to the team Cannot be understated. I preach this all day to 16 year old boys, 17 year old boys on the basketball court. And every season starts with typically us losing because everyone has their own agenda and how many points can we score? I want to do this, I want to do that. And unless the team's moving along together, it's very tough in the beginning. And somewhere along the season, you start to really click. And I don't know if enough teams get there. You, all three of you work with adults. I work with kids. So I think I'd love to hear the the parallels from the kids world that I'm in to the adult world. But for me, I think a big one has been like trying to build that relationship with the kids. I call it van rides. I asked a couple of people, Hey, would you hop in a van with me? And they're like, no, I'm never hopping in a van with you, especially during COVID. They're like, no, I'm only going to be in my house. So maybe as we're More free, maybe I'm going to rent a van, but there's been nothing better than getting to know the kids during the van rides to bring the team together, to bring the cohesiveness together, to get them to focus on the mission. And it's actually not just winning. And sometimes it can be really hard for some of the kids to go through that because we check report cards and when grades are not up to par you can imagine we have tough conversations and it isn't just that you're the best player because it starts with student athlete and not athlete student and you've got to perform off the court and on the court too so i would just love to hear i think from a relationship building perspective i have van rides I don't know if you take van rides, but I am sure there is some, (laughs) Cassie, no van rides. I would love to hear, this could be, Stephanie Dedman calls this coffee and conversations is one. Mike yesterday calls it mornings with Mike. Everyone has their own thing, which I love. Cassie, I want to open up with you. Do you have something? How do you build those relationships with your team so that their hearts and ears and mind are open to that feedback?
2: Building a team is one of the most important things in my job. And building a team that wants to work with each other and they want to share and achieve things together. And to me, the number one way you do that is you let them know you have their back. You let them know that they can take risks, they can try something they're not 100% sure about, They can give me ideas and I'll bounce them back and I won't judge them for their ideas. So that it's my number one job and it's also the best thing I get out of my job is that when I'm successful building those teams, that relationship that's established and then I get to to move that forward and we achieve things together, that's the first thing I do. So the first thing I do is I show them that I'm trustworthy and that I have their back. And the second thing is, I make sure I talk to them all the time. I don't know if they like it, but I talk to them about what they're doing, what they're concerned about, what they need help with. That's other very important part of my job is to make sure they have what they need to succeed. And so those are really the things I focus on. And in my previous job, I've had experience with merging people from different parts of parts of the manufacturing organization. So I was in semiconductor manufacturing and they behave some public agencies where there are some silos and they were very siloed. And my job was to bring competing groups together and have them figure out that it wasn't just about the success of their little area in the manufacturing. It was the full thing. And as you considered your upstream partner and your downstream partner, then the cohesiveness is what allows them and us to be successful so that situation was a challenge but it also taught me how to build those teams show the trust show that i cared and show that we can do this together it also I love... a little goofy like that because yes <laughs> so.
0: i'm the goofiest person of them all so <laughs> don't even yeah Sh- chandra
3: Yeah. so over the years everything yeah everything that cassie said plus being able to invest in time my time in learning the different team members what makes them tick what's important to them inside and outside the office especially when you notice that folks are maybe their behavior patterns are a little bit different than what they've normally been Maybe they have something going on in their lives outside the office that's affecting them during work hours. And building that trust and being able to say, hey, I've noticed something's off. How can we help? How can we help you with your hours? With Do you need to take some time off? Do we need to pivot you in a different direction right now to support you as a human being so that you can get back to whatever your safe space outside and inside the office? And support that person's success and by that investment you hope that they will then invest back into the organization i will tell you there are situations that manifest organically like recently we had the hurricane a few months ago here in florida a very devastating event and that was a very trying time and we had a lot of people in what we call the war room and folks pulling 24-hour days and 20-hour days and You name it, it was all hands on deck, nothing else mattered because we needed to help people get to get through response and recovery and let Floridians know that they were covered. They were supported from the administration down to every frontline public sector employee. And nobody asked for permission. Nobody worried about feelings. We just got things done because we knew we were all there Because in our hearts, that's what we love to do. We love to help people. And we were able to leverage some very cool technology to help during that time. And then this is the bad part. (laughs) Maybe not the bad part. But I like to sit back and watch the tea forming and storming and all that process and watch that happen naturally. And if I see something that it looks like they're coming together, but there's just something that doesn't sit right, right? I will then put pressure on the team and create situations and create that adversarial situation within the team to see how they respond and see who's who's in it to win it, who's whose heart is in the right place. What is your commitment to the team or some there? And there have been a couple of instances where folks realize some things about themselves that they weren't necessarily committed to the team and committed to the mission, so they decided to move on. But Sometimes those things happen naturally, and sometimes you have to manufacture them to really understand the dynamics and motivations of the team.
0: Yeah, that actually brings up an interesting thought. I don't know if I started doing this with Jamie, my one employee, a.k.a. my wife, but (laughs) she would send me – we would do these weekly reports, and so we would write them, and I just wanted to hear. And so she started sending me these reports, and there was stuff I was like, I didn't even know – what was going on and i'm married to her (laughs) so i was like jamie this is great we didn't talk about this on date night (laughs) what are there any other tools that any of you use i know i'm not directing it because i don't know but any tools to maybe peel back the the layer on the onion a little bit more i think sometimes the written word i think we can process out loud and I am the biggest fan of process out loud, but just wondering if there's any other tools and it may, it doesn't have to be written, but if there's any tools out there that you see that you use that you think would benefit some of the other folks that listen to this podcast for their teams, that they could peel back the onion and have a little bit more insight into, into their teams. Open-ended.
1: I don't, I don't know that there's a tool per se, but just echoing what Cassie and Chandra said, I think, I think it's about getting in there and knowing your team. And having those conversations and just asking questions and having candid conversations with the team that's where you're going to get the best information probably better out better off like having those conversations than you would in just necessarily an email briefing with bullet points of like here's what's going on because that's something that can be edited and curated and all of that stuff but to really find out what's going on and again listening more than you talk and and asking those questions and but part of it is to Chandra's point about observation, right? And getting in there, sitting back, watching how the teams interact. And I think part of it, going with what Chandra said as well, is we're there, we're certainly there to support and build up our teams. And that is teams of individuals, right? But at the end of the day, we're looking at that team as a whole. And so if you have one individual who's not on mission, who doesn't understand the concept of the team, and you've worked with it. Then I think you do have an obligation for the team as a whole to say, hey, this may not be the team for you. This is not a good fit because that's the other sort of obligation and duty of someone in that leadership role is to make sure they're protecting that unit. And if there's an individual that is not performing, is toxic, pick all these other or just not, a frankly, a good fit. Then the leader needs to jump in and do that. That that phrase of no one will, nothing will chase away a good employee faster than watching you tolerate a bad one. I just I emphasize it to folks all the time because I think that that's one of those keys. So just getting in there and really having those conversations. I'm a big believer in not just leading from that 30,000 foot view, but walking around and understanding what people are working with and their challenges they face. That's really going to give you the insight you need.
0: that that, that's really great we in the high school level call that getting cut from the basketball team (laughs) which (laughs) which happens at the beginning of every season and there's a conversation and and yeah you have a duty and obligation and like organizations and teams you can only take so many people and even midway through the season stuff happens in organizations emotions run high sometimes things are said at the high school level sometimes fists get thrown and people got to jump in it happens boys basketball and uh, hopefully not as adults hopefully as adults things don't happen but people aren't throwing down like that and but there is something i was curious about do any of you take those conversations out of the office say for coffee or i'm curious like what's the kind of inside scoop of i'm investing in this person but we're not gonna do it in my office we're gonna go to i'm just gonna i'm just riffing right now austin roasting company right if you're in texas only because i was just in austin and funny story i told it on yesterday's podcast was looking for coffee last minute picking up a buddy at the austin airport and i drive to the airport and i think i'm going to the coffee shop and it's not it's their distribution facility i meet the owner of austin roasting company we get out, we're talking, he's from Santa Barbara, next thing I know we're sipping coffee and sniffing beans and I've got myself an hour tour inside the Austin Roasting Company and my friend's texting me, hey man, when you gonna pick me up from the airport? <laughs> I'm gonna be 30 minutes late, I'm with this guy right now and he's giving me a full tour of the Austin Roasting Company. Anyways, love to hear Cassie kick off with you. Is there a spot in Austin that you like to go? I'm gonna I'll leave that open.
2: It really depends on the person, actually. Some people really are more comfortable having a conversation in a closed office. That's just how they function, right? So it's factored. I think stuff we've said several times is knowing who your people are and how they receive information and how they're comfortable and how they want to engage you. I'll go to lunch, I'll go have coffee, I'll have happy hour. It's so whatever they're comfortable with, and the most important part is that you do that work. Is that you extend yourself and you make time for that. Often I'll do it as teams, as groups, right? If I feel like the team needs to get together and spend some breaking the bread time, right? Fellowship as it were. So I think I'm giving you an, it depends answer, but it could be any one of those things, right? And yeah.
0: Food is always a winner. It's always a winner. It's always food. It's fantastic. One spot. Cassie that I would not recommend that you would go to is don't ever try and take Mandy bowling. It doesn't work. Just don't ever think about bowling. Just cross it off your list. Like it's.
2: We never would. We're too busy talking. Yeah. <laughs> me with the whole activity thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mandy, similar vein. Is there a particular spot or, or is it just situational based?
1: Situational, like Cassie said, I work with a lot of different personalities, and I think particularly in IT, a lot of people get into this line of work because they are more introverted and like that heads down work. Forcing somebody into an environment where they're not going to be comfortable and not really get to be their authentic self doesn't always work. So sometimes with some of my folks, doing a Teams meeting one-on-one is what they prefer. It really just depends, and it's trial and error. When it comes to that public sector, we're also a little bit, we a lot bit limited on what we can do as far as there's really not much we can do spending public dollars on various things. So then it comes down to budget issues, right? And and trying to plan out-of-office events that don't break anyone's budget when they're just trying to be considerate of that. It, yesterday, in fact, my leadership team and I, we actually did an all-day retreat, and so we. Where one of us is a member at the at a club here in town, a social club, and so we were able to get a room. We're off campus, sit around all together without meetings, and just have us in a room where we can spend all day long just going over things and having the team, the idea, the time to go over the ideas that we never have the time during the day because we're so busy getting the daily things done. To to really look at uh, reflectively over the year past, look forward. We stop, take a break for lunch. And then go on about that. So sometimes that a change of venue is nice. Sometimes we'll just go to one. We have three different office locations here in Austin. And sometimes just going to a different office and a different conference room and just walking a little bit across the Capitol complex is enough of a change of venue that it puts you in a different frame of mind for conversation.
0: Ooh, I really like that. I'm curious. You might not have an answer right now, Mandy, but best maybe best reflection question that came out of, the retreat that you were at?
1: I guess the, one of the questions I posed to the team that just got us talking the most was if money and resources and time were no object, all of those things, what would be something that you would want to do here at the agency? What would be something that, remove all the barriers and the obstacles that we always put on things because we're like, oh, this would be great, but, but just remove all that and then go from there and see what we can do. So it was a great, was fun conversation. And it turns out some of those things we might be able to do once you get them out loud and say them.
0: (laughs) Ooh, I really like that. Yeah. Once you get it out loud, I think you pause and have that. Well, I think we maybe actually could pull that off or someone has a club, for example, where you're like, this is great. Someone's a member and now we get to go. And now you're just posing the, who else is a member of what everyone lay their cards on the table where you where else who has a member at yeah that's a fantastic question uh, it really breaks the mindset and uh, yeah, i see with kids too especially when we come into the games where the opponent is perceived to going to just destroy us a lot of times you gotta sit the kids down and and focus on our game plan and well what if we win well that would be crazy right and you're like no we can and i've actually had a couple times where that doesn't work out we're actually get blown out by about 40 but I've had some times where we've got blown out by forty, we watched the tape, played them again, made adjustments, and we won by thirty. It's like high school college basketball is just a so wild ride of what personality for the kid shows up that night and, and how it co- works with the team. I love that. All right. See, Cassie, part two part two. Now we're gonna get to part two. Now we'll get to part two. This may be like part two point five. To cover the big theme. Those who knew me and didn't know they made a difference. So Chandra, we'll kick it off with you for part two. Okay. And I know we've answered, so this doesn't have to be an exhaustive answer. I know some of the guests today were pulling from part two into my follow-up questions, but who is it in your life that perhaps is not aware that they helped shape you?
3: Okay, so I'll start with my colleagues throughout my career to date everyone that will come later on in life, but especially within the IT community here in Florida. Having been on this journey for 20 plus years, there there have been so many different people that I've had the privilege to meet and get to know. And some of those interactions have not been positive and some have just been overwhelmingly beyond anything I could have ever thought. And When we look at where I am today and how my career has progressed over the years, and I reach out to different people and I say, thank you for this interaction, or thank you for pulling me aside after this meeting and sharing some wisdom, giving me some counsel on on background of a situation that I clearly wasn't aware of based on my questions in the meeting. Going to lunch, we were just talking about lunch and getting outside the office, but being and Joe, you're probably going to pick up on this reference, but being a mirror of truth to me, I have ideas and I don't understand a lot of I ask a ton of questions and a lot of it comes from a lack of understanding and how my brain processes things and figuring out how does this work within the team and within the mission and how does it support the overall success of everything we're trying to do? And folks have come up and said, well, the way you ask questions and you have such a non-adversarial approach to how you interact with people. And I say, yeah, because I've learned that from you all. And so when I turn it, say, thank you. It's because of you and the contributions that you made in my life and how you have treated me have helped me develop not only as a professional, but as a human being and how I interact in everyday life. Say my colleagues, as a whole and having had these wonderful opportunities to advance over the course of my career, it puts me in a greater position to give back. And that's one of, I I love technology and what it can do for people. But really, at this point, it is a- about giving back to everyone that has given something to me and everyone coming behind us as technology professionals and helping them grow and feel supported in their journey as well. And then my second is you, Joe.
0: Me? <laughs> you no.
3: Yes. Your spirit and your energy and your interest in your love of human beings encourages me to wanna understand more with every person I encounter in my life. When I meet people, I kid you not, when I meet people, I think, what kind of questions would Joe ask you?
0: Not as good as Chandra. If you meet with her one-on-one, she's got way, she asks way better questions than me. (laughs) Way better questions.
3: (laughs) do i just ever ever since the universe brought us to seattle together it just yeah you're such a cool human being and i take i take you with me everywhere i go yeah and everybody i interact with
0: (laughs) then that is the mission i love that a lot another podcast another lifetime (laughs) when i get interviewed but very similar all the same thing (laughs) i have a crew of people who, who have invested in me, who have taken time to talk to me, even Mandy from she's we met one on one one time. And I tell you, Mandy is she just lives up to the persona that you would see outside, even at one of our yeah, I threw a live event in Raleigh and Jamie, my wife, couldn't come. She was having back surgery and trying to do this by myself was a total train wreck. And Mandy was helping cut the barbecue. Her friend was helping cut the barbecue. She was helping to clean up. We were talking about the refrigerator, like the microwave. Yeah, there's just a number of leaders. And I think more and more, I think one of the things that draws me most to what I love in the public sector are folks like you three, where there's really a caring heart and attitude and willing to be open. The more that I do this, it's not always that way. And I'm it's, it hurts me at first. I think I was like, this is really hurtful. <laughs> Why is this happening? But not everyone is this. And so I think I'm more and more, I was talking to, I drove from Santa Barbara to Austin and I stopped in a few cities along the way. Goodyear, one of them. And I've been becoming good friends with Justin Fair, who's the CIO there. And we closed down a PF Chang's. And I'm talking, we were talking till 1230 at night in the parking lot. And it was just like really great to hear, hey, you know what? Keep spreading the positivity, the and I think that's the other word I think comes to is like life, because I just think that's just I don't know, there's the culture, the news, there's so much negativity. Everything is always so negative. And then it's like, how can we be the light in today? And so it starts at home, starts in the workplace, and thank the three of you for and chandra it just happens through conversations and i love it all right enough about me let's go with let's go with miss mandy sorry i was gonna go back to the i was gonna drop the queen part but i'm trying really hard today i promise you to not who, who in your life knew you and didn't know that they made a difference
1: i i struggled with the i struggle thinking on this one a little bit because i tend to think that i don't tend to keep things quiet and think that I don't know people might know but you never know about that so I guess I was going to take a different twist to this so I think that the thing that is important for us to be aware of because we're all having an impact on somebody whether we know it or not and it's for better hopefully but sometimes for worse and so what kept coming back to me on this was that I worked with for quite a long time over my career, and I think this person's value to me when I look at developing who I became both personally and professionally was actually that I did not want to be like that person, right? That it was somebody who had so much negativity and was really just embodied all the things that I did not want to be even though probably starting my career, I wasn't sure about that. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. And then the more you're around it. So sometimes, and I think that for me personally, although it took years and a bit of time to turn those lessons into something to as a positive, where I'm determined like that, that I'm not going to be that. I will not repeat those mistakes. That's not the kind of leader I want to be. But I think it's important for us to remember as leaders that our actions do have consequences and they impact other people, whether we know it or not. And going back to you and to what you and Chandra are saying about being the light and being the positivity. And we just need to make sure that I think there's, again, it goes back to the, the gift, the privilege, but also the burden of being in leadership is that people do look up to you. way or another and you want to make sure that the actions that you have and the interactions with people are good and are positive because we can be causing damage out there that we just don't even know about because if we aren't paying attention so the other thing i was going to say this is interesting because i am a bit of a, a nerd when it comes to ancient history and mythology and things like that so going back to your opener joe about the origin of the word mentor so mentor was actually there by by, I think put there by Odysseus or put in there to while he was out while he was gone to mentor his son Telemachus but the problem was is that mentor actually was not a great mentor and so he stepped in the goddess Athena the goddess of war the goddess of wisdom saw that mentor was actually not doing a great job and so she stepped in And she shapeshifted into mentor's form to actually mentor in appropriate way Telemachus, who then ended up defeating all his dad's suitors and defending his mother and his dad comes back and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all of that. But I think that's an interesting thing about all of this and that ties back into the awareness and that sometimes somebody else has to step in and change things and correct the mistakes. I think it's cool that it was a woman too, but that's a side note.
0: So I totally you you are a hundred percent. Oh my goodness, I, you're right. I dropped the ball on that. You yes. Now I tried to summarize this as quickly as possible, but yeah. Thank you, mentor Crawford, for jumping in and making. And yes, she was a woman. Yeah, that is fantastic. Gift, privilege, burden. I think what comes to mind is always watching. I got an early look at this when I started dating Jamie. She had a daughter who was, I think four going on five at the time, Annabelle, she's now 13. And something I noticed early on was, wow, like she watches everything that I do, good or bad. And like, it was eerily, and then they start copying you. And then you're like, don't copy me here. Don't copy this over here. Copy this over here, but don't copy this over here. I think you get like a front row seat, with either kids or like younger generation, And even on the basketball team, people have different perspectives on this. I set the tone that we are not going to be using profanity on the court, either in the music you want to play in the gym or either. So you want to use it outside the court, that's on you, but this is my rule. And suddenly when your playing time is dependent upon the coach who's issuing, (laughs) pretty soon you've got a nice little team going on. Part of it too, it's a little bit is, look, you're going to use it, but during a game, they're going to call a technical foul yeah. on you and the other team will be shooting. So you might want to use it, but I also want to win. So don't, don't strike our chances at winning. But I love that. Yeah, they're always looking good and the bad. I know we're a little out on time. So Cassie, I'm going to jump to part three. Those who didn't know me and yet made a difference. And do you have someone that perhaps you've never met, and yet they've impacted your career or personal journey?
2: Yeah. Fortunately, in my job, I have the opportunity to go to a bunch of conferences, which usually have keynotes, and some are amazing, and some are okay. Two of the recent ones have been amazing and really resonated with me, and I'll get to that in the end. But the first one was Anne Grady, who was a keynote, I think it was at a state conference, anyway, so she talked about her journey. She's a public speaker, like that's what she does for her job. And she talked through the raising of her son who had a severe mental illness that was often violent. Like she was often called from her work to go defend a teacher from her kid. And so she was dealing with that. And then she got a a tumor in her face which paralyzed half her face. Again, public speaker. And then because of that lack of feeling, then she got a scratched cornea. So then that was painful. She couldn't see. So then she fell and broke her foot and her leg and went and then started radiation, right? So this kind of landslide of things was happening to her. And the what her story was that she was still positive about it. She still talked about what she learned from it. One of her quotes is something like, you can sit around and list all the things that are going wrong um, and be upset about them. Or you can spend your time looking for the right things, focus on them, and they'll lead you where you need to go. So she was a story and then positive about it and then learned how to work from it and grow and mature. The second one similar was Emmanuel Acho at the Gartner Conference. Joe, I don't know if you got to see him. I'm a Longhorn, so I was super excited. And then... There we go. And uh, he talked. I didn't know much what happened to him after college ball, and he went into the pros and immediately had a series of injuries. He was cut five times before he was twenty-five years old. Uh, and instead of and he, he talks about getting into a depression about it, and then he decided to turn it around. And during the uh, the turmoil around the murder of George Floyd, he started YouTube videos. And interviews called Conversation with Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. And he then won Emmys for that and then moved it into a book career and then moved through that. So both of these were really resonated to me because it's about you have all this terrible stuff happening to you. You didn't deserve it. And they don't, you didn't focus on it being a failure or your failure. You focused on it being something you needed to learn from and an indication that you pivot. And then you try again. So those were, obviously they don't know me, but those stories really apply to my life and challenges that I run into and bad things that happen to me. And I don't need to focus on them. I need to learn from them and pivot and achieve and move forward.
0: So those two. Chandra, same question. Who in your life didn't know you, but yet made a difference? Okay.
3: So Jocko Willink, Leif Babin. And the front team. And what if you haven't read the books Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership, yes, I know you have them. Highly recommend.
0: And discipline equals freedom. (laughs) Discipline equals freedom.
3: So I a funny story, I over the Thanksgiving break, they were running a like a Black Friday special or something on their online leadership academy. So I signed up for that. So that's what I will be doing over the Christmas and New Year's break.
0: And But what
3: really resonated for me with that team is, of course, people who choose to serve, bless them. That's a really hard choice for people to make. And they came home. And when I think about all the people who didn't come home, and so they were able to come home and share their stories and their lessons learned and how they have been able to navigate life. And everything that has been thrown in front of them. But what really hit home for me was in the Dichotomy of Leadership book. They have a story that they share of one of their clients who was the CEO of a company. And there was some issue of the CEO was looking for engagement by the team and decision-making by the team, but nobody would engage and nobody would make decisions. And the observation was, why do they need to do that when you're the one? making all the decisions and you're the one driving all the initiatives and the phrase that got me, I was taking a walk through my neighborhood and I was actually listening to it on, on Audible and they said, you're, you are the easy button. And when I heard those words, it made me tear up. It hit me so profoundly. I was at a point in my career where I had become the easy button, not only for myself, but for my team at the time. And it was at that point that some pretty significant dominoes tipped over for me and moved me along as a person and as a professional. One day, one day, I want to meet the team and I shake their hands and hug their necks. Yeah.
0: I love that. And episode 96 on Tech Tables, J.P. <laughs> Donnell, who is the lead yeah. sniper for Jocko. Absolutely fantastic conversation. A couple timestamps for those who haven't listened to the episode yet. 17 minutes, 29 seconds, real advice on how to climb out of dark places in life. 30 minutes, 24 seconds, the danger of complacency and how to fight it every day. 3308, why protecting your marriage should be, if not the most important priority in your life. Coming from a guy who blew up his marriage, he's got a great story. Also love the other side of the redemption of it. And I think one of the last timestamps, there's a ton, but Thirty five twenty. If you've ever thought I'm not a manager or boss, so therefore I'm not a leader. JP disagrees and explains why you don't need a title to be a leader. And it's just a fantastic episode. And I would highly recommend I actually, Chandra, if you want, I've got some CIOs who are huge Jocko fans, and at some point they only put two events on a year in random cities, but we're trying to all go together to an echelon front one. So
3: muster is on I'll, my list.
0: I'll put you, yeah, the muster is probably the best leadership conference on the planet. Mandy, I want to wrap up with you. Same question. Who in your life didn't, but yet made a difference?
1: Well, this is a little bit of a a play on what Chandra mentioned for number two. But for me, I'm always inspired by people who are called to public service and who are dedicated to that. And I grew up a, a Marine brat. My dad. 30 years in the Marine Corps, born on a Marine race, raised on those. So right there, people ended my, my whole life by not only the men and women in the Marine Corps and the other branches of the armed services, but their families who answer the call. Great personal sacrifice, sometimes the ultimate sacrifice, but do it because of a belief and mission and a call purpose greater than yourself. That was the foundation, I think, for me and really shaped who I am. And then coming into public sector, working for state government, And countless men and women who don't know me, and I don't know their names, they're out there every day serving 30 million Texans and trying to make a change for the better. And they work very hard for low pay, zero glory, often vilified. The perception of public sector workers is not always terrific, but we know the work that they do. And when I see the differences that they make, whether like in, we have our share of natural disasters, certainly Florida, the things that you all did recently to help the Floridians recover and come back, I think about working with Cassie and all the other people in our state operations center throughout the pandemic, which just kept going. And we just, and so did we, and so did these the people working all the time. And then just the everyday things, whether it's a child support division at their attorney general's office collecting money for the children in Texas who need that support whether it's through foster care placements or connecting people with services, public safety officers, all of it. Anyway, they it inspire me every day. And even on those days when our job is tough and difficult and, and sometimes just ridiculous for some of the things that we have to do, they make it all worthwhile and inspire me to want to keep coming back and keep doing it day after day.
0: Oh, I love this topic so much. Okay. You probably hear Joey, do you love everything? No, I just love really positive things. But the reason why I love how you ended that, Mandy, and I'm actually going to get to JR's question in a second. But one of the things I've been ruminating on is I wanted to write, I'm going to throw it on the website, it's like the mission of tech tables, which you might be thinking is weird. But I really wanted to lay this out, I think, in written form, just because it helps me to my mind races. I got so many ideas in my head. but I love going on walks and thinking about really the purpose, the ethos of why you do what you do. And I've got random notes and note apps and things like that of ideas and how I think about it, how I want it to be. But I'm very excited to pull. I think this conversation will be really great because I'm even going to listen back and on a walk, and because it's I live in Santa Barbara and it's not 30 degrees in Texas or. However cold it is right now, or <laughs> uh, <we're> in Florida, <laughs> and just really just ah uh, flesh out like the in written form of what it means to have that level of like service and why you do what you do. I just yeah, I really like that. I really connect, Mandy. If you haven't talked with Rob Lloyd, he was the CIO for the city of San Jose. Now he's yeah, the deputy city great. manager. Yeah, Rob is amazing.
1: He's yeah, he's a terrific guy
0: yeah and he's been on actually a handful of times and we've had some opportunities to grab lunch and he his heart for service i absolutely love he also has a challenge which i love because i live at this weird intersection where his challenge to a lot of folks who are in the private sector is how like how are you serving are you serving are you even serving if you're in the private sector which i think is super fascinating i sit at this intersection of of doing this amazing creative, I get to do that. And then also that's one form of service. Another form of service I love is actually being with the kids. And so that kind of intersection of the two. And so I also, I take that up. I challenge, I always love to hear from folks like, hey, what are you doing outside of, what you get paid to do like how not like a mean or aggressive way but i like rob doesn't know this but maybe i just now i'm just i take up that challenge and i'm always genuinely curious and i like to encourage people who maybe they didn't think hey oh i can go to a campus or maybe it's a university or sometimes it's just it looks different for everybody which is super cool my favorite example is someone told me joe i'm serving on the e-sports and i'm like that's a great That's a really great one and helping some kids out there. Let's get to JR's question because I know we're running out of time. Another guy I love is JR Sloan. The guy is just absolutely fantastic. Great heart. Just total gem. I really like him. JR said, when you think about the most impactful mentorships you've been involved with, what do you think made them so well? And if you've had less than a stellar mentoring experience, what didn't work? Cassie, close us out.
2: Like I was talking about earlier. So I never really thought I needed a mentor to start out with. And part of that is probably a little bit of hubris on my part, but also it was just the, let me back up. So I was in a leadership conference and I was asked a question and I was preparing for it. And the question was, what is advice? What is the best advice you have been given in the past? And I said, I asked Mandy, said, hey, what's my advice? And she said, and it was over text, so it was real quick. She just said, be yourself. And then I thought about that. And then I thought about, well, yeah, be yourself. But then I spent some time on it. And it was like thinking about back in my engineering days when I was in that male-dominated organization, and I emulated what I saw in my leaders because that's they were successful. And so I tried to behave like that and it didn't work it made me uncomfortable it made me unhappy it made me it was super negative and this just wasn't me and so as i thought about it i thought well to be myself i need to be positive i need to be a little goofy i need to be in helpful and nice and all those things foster relationships the softer side of things and I say at work all the time, the easy part is the technology. (laughs) The hard part are dealing with people and their needs and what they want and trying to find a middle ground and all that stuff. I think when I accepted that that's what I needed to do, then I see the value of mentorship. Then I see you find someone who reflects what you want to look like and can mirror that back to you. And so that's the benefit. And where I got to needing a mentor and then... Going through the journey and painting those ideas, and receiving advice and asking questions—it's a little vulnerable, right? To if to ask questions and acknowledge that you're having a problem, but it's also a way you grow. So that is what I'm getting out of the mentorship, and why it's been successful for me.
0: That's great, Chandra.
2: Yep. Yeah. So, which part am I answering?
0: <laughs> you answer the good, bad, or ugly. No, I... <laughs>
3: good, bad, or ugly. So I'll answer the bad. So it's been an interesting journey for sure. And navigating the dynamics of personalities and people. And Cassie really hit it on the head. The tech is the easy part. It's the people that really present opportunities and constructive challenges for not only individual growth, but team growth. And I'll say that (laughs) I've had some interactions over the years that really were hard that left me feeling as less than who I am. And someone, very dear friend, said, but Chandra, who has control over how you feel? (laughs) Me, okay? So when you have those difficult interactions and experiences, yes, they shape you, but you control how they shape you. And and so whenever I've encountered that, whether it's in, in good, bad, or indifferent, we all as individuals know it's in our hearts and in our minds. And I know I get out of bed every day. My, my family, they are my driving force in everything. They are my human credentials. And next is my career and my love of technology and what I know technology can do for people. And so my guiding principle and all that, regardless of whatever kind of day that I'm having, is at the end of every end point is a human being. And beyond that human being, is someone who loves and cares about that human being. So we are all connected, either physically, virtually, It's and it's the humanity of it all. Yes, we are in tech for whatever reason. We chose to that career path, but it's the humanity of it all that drives, I think, a lot of what we do. And we're not necessarily the type of people who go out on the front lines and serve as child protective workers or maybe law enforcement, first responders, those folks that are out boots on the ground in the community. But we know and we see the value of technology and how it can help the communities around us.
0: Mandy, finish us up. Wrap us up. For JR. For JR. For JR.
1: One of the greats. So I think that, again, this is going to piggyback on what Chandra and Cassie laid down there, is I think it's all honesty has to be the foundation because honesty is the foundation for trust. It's a big thing for me. It's whether it's how you build trust with your teams is say what you mean, mean what you say, and then act, act on it and be honest and forthright. And there's nothing that will erode trust faster than that dishonesty. So I think coming into a mentor relationship is having both folks coming into it honestly about what it is that they're seeking to gain from the relationship. I think that somebody coming into a mentor relationship with the hope of a specific career advancement, a specific position in mind, something to that effect, it's not going to work out. But if we're talking about professional development and growth and true learning as opposed to something that's self-serving. And it goes both ways. If the mentor is feeling somehow that it's a feather in the cap or they're collecting mentees so that they can go around and also using it to their advantage as well, that's not gonna be helpful. So having those honest conversations and both going into it truly, because the way I see it in a relationship, I learned too. I, 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 I absolutely do. Cassie knows this. I ask her questions all the time and I learned from her and I feel like a lot of ways she supports me and helps me far more than I do her. So I think it's that honest feedback as part of the relationship that helps it grow. And if you don't have that foundation, then it's just not going to be successful.
0: That was a great way to end this episode. If we had more time, I would easily dive into the honesty and trust piece that Mandy just left there for all of you. And she's just going to leave that there for you. Till till next time. Thank you Cassie Chandra and Mandy for coming on the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. You're listening to The Public Sector Show by Tech Tables, a podcast dedicated to sharing human-centric stories from CIOs and technology leaders across city, county, state, and federal agencies, joining in the conversation and touching the hearts and minds of leaders across technology today. From mission-driven leadership to cloud, AI to cybersecurity, workforce challenges, and more, never miss insights from peers and vendor partners across the public sector. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to techtables.com and drop your email to subscribe. New podcast episodes come out every Tuesday and Thursday, along with weekly behind the Mike newsletter and one of today's podcast sponsors is tech tables plus an engaging new community where you can have early access to never before released episodes early access to live event recordings early access to weekly three interesting learnings early access to live event ticket purchases no episode ads and more plus three extra special bonuses when you sign up today bonus number one access to the ceo show Bonus number two, access to the higher ed show. And bonus number three, access to the digital show. Join Tech Tables Plus today. As always, thank you for supporting the Tech Tables Network.